Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitsman. I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News. And before we get into everything, make sure that you leave a like, subscribe, follow the channel. It really helps us know that you're enjoying the content. And we have some pretty interesting things coming up down the pipeline that we would really, you know, think that you will enjoy. Uh, so for this episode, have a few topics that we, we want to go over. First, want to go over a recap of some of my favorite performances that I saw this week, um, both on the collegiate level as well as from some professionals. So I uh, want to start off with a performance that is extraordinarily impressive, but I would think everyone that is a fan of track and field would say, yeah, I'm not too surprised. And that's uh, Aething Mo from uh, Texas A&M. So Aething ran a 157.73, which is the national record in the 800 meters and is also the world lead. Um, not only is it a national record, but she destroyed what the former national record was of 158.22. And if you watch the race, what's even more impressive is that it looks like she even negative split. She ran almost a faster second 400 than she did her first one because she was kind of staying with the pack. Uh, and I believe Aaliyah Miller, who is from Baylor, was also in that race, who ran a PR of around two minutes. But that just got kind of you know lost in the shuffle when you have someone break the national record. And she, she's just really putting on her performance on why she should be the Bowerman favorite. I mean, she's really dominating everything right now. Um, it, the fact that she did the, the 400 indoors instead of the 800, I think mainly to capitalize on points um, and, you know, kind of work better with her schedule doesn't take away from the fact that if she had done the 800 indoors, I think she would have been the national champion. And I bet you during the uh, outdoor national championship, she'll be doing the 800 so she can get uh, all of the, the medals and accolades that she deserves. But she is having a, a fantastic, fantastic career and only a freshman. Um, and if I'm, if I'm looking at it, so I would say that there are two athletes right now that are really, really special. Uh, and those two are Aething Mo and Cole Hawker. Those two athletes are having very extraordinarily great seasons this year. And if I were to make a bet um, on two athletes that would go professional after this year, you know, before they graduate, well, I would have had originally three, which would have been Aething Mo. Uh, Cole Hawker, and then also uh, Casey Lightfoot, but he's already he's already went professional. He he jumped that gun early. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if she decides to go pro after this because this is an extraordinarily good performance. I mean, she's putting up times that not only are they good enough to possibly make the Olympic team, uh, she has a good chance good chance of being. Uh, you know, in that final and, and potentially meddling with that with that, and how she's trending this year. She's just having a fantastic year, and to be a freshman is fantastic. I mean, I would say two of the best women 
right now in the sport. Uh, another woman that I think could could be going on to the professionals after this would be would be Tyra Davis uh, out of Texas. She's also having a fantastic fantastic career, not only in the hurdles, uh, not only in the long jump, but also in the hurdles because you know obviously national record holder in the in the long jump. But she she had a fantastic performance, Athing, and and excited to see where she's going to continue to do uh, throughout this year. Uh, next one, uh, Jasmine Camacho Quinn. So she was a former hurdler from Kentucky. Uh, her and Sydney uh, McLaughlin uh, competed for a year when Sydney was there her, as a freshman. Uh, she ran a new PR of 12:32, which puts her at seventh all time in the 100 meter hurdles. Um, really fast, especially in April, uh, to be able to set a pretty big PR like that. I mean. It now puts her in the conversation of is she now the favorite going into the 100 meter hurdles for the Olympics? Uh, I think I think it puts her in that conversation. She still has to I think show that she can not only run this time once but do it multiple times. So I don't know when she's going to be racing again. Uh, hopefully it's going to be sometime soon. I bet you she probably does two or three more races before the the Olympic trials. I'd like to see what she runs there. If she can run somewhere around this 1232 mark, it doesn't have to be exactly what that is, but if it's somewhere between what 124 or 12 like low 125s to, you know, this 1232, I think she's got she's got to be in a really good position to, you know, hopefully take a an, an Olympic, you know, title there. I mean, she's she's running great. So, um fantastic race from her. Um she did really well. Uh, Two other performances. Um, this, these all come from the the same meet, and not the eighth thing, not the eighth thing mo. But um, these next ones, uh, Justin Gatlin, just super consistent in the 100, and the fact that he's 39 and still running 9.98s, he's gonna be 40 soon, and he's gonna be still running sub tens. Just, just incredible. I mean, he took down a star-studded cast in the 100 meters with Lyles. I believe Andre de Grasse was also there. Um, a couple other really big names were, were running in there. That was the, the Tom Jones invite down in uh, down in Florida. Just just very impressive to see that he's remaining this consistent. Um, sure, he's not dropping he, he he's not dropping any nine eights. Uh, he's not dropping any nine sevens. But to stay in that nine nine eight nine, I think he ran that what two or three weeks in a row. Very impressive. So so great for him. Um, one thing that was funny though is while he ran a nine point nine eight, that wasn't the fastest one hundred in the meet, even though it was in the professional uh, heat. Uh, the fastest time actually came from a sophomore from FSU, uh, Javon Martin. So he actually ran a nine point nine four, which is the nation leading time. He um, went ahead of Terrence Laird, I believe, who was running, I think it was a 10.04 from last week. Uh, might have might have mixed up the time a little bit, but he, he's now the, the nation leader, and that's a fast time. I mean, it, it's very impressive. He kind of came out of nowhere a little bit with it. I, I believe his fastest wind legal time before that was a 10.4. So to go from 10.4 to a 9.94 is unheard of. Now, obviously there's a lot of time in between that. He did have a time that was a 10.14, but it was not wind legal. So, uh, doesn't, you know, didn't count, but this is still a huge jump from him. Um, this is some guy where would I put him as my favorite for the national title in the 
100? Uh, no, I wouldn't, because uh, it's just the first time he's done it, and you know, any I'm not saying anyone can run 9.94. That's not that's not the case. Not there's a very few amount of people that could do that, but I would like to to see the if you can do it more than just once. Um, so far, I mean, yeah, we had Terrence Laird who's dropping crazy times. He could be under sub 10. Uh, Matthew Bowling hasn't done too great. I mean, he's ran I think 10.21, which is fast, but it's not national champion fast. We'll have to see what he does because he's someone else that's really, you know, people are looking forward to. The 60-meter champion indoors, Michael Williams. We'll have to see what he's going to start doing as we get closer to to June. So uh, fantastic time to see from him. Once again, we're going to have to see how consistent he is. Um, see what he's going to be running next week, the weeks after, uh, if this is uh, a pace that he can maintain, or is it something that, Hey, it's kind of, you know, he got lightning in a bottle and, and just really had the race of his life here. Um, fantastic to see. And only being a sophomore, uh, just shows where the sport is and, and where we can go from here. So fantastic race from him. Uh, love to see, you know, what he does, uh, going forward. And, as I mentioned, uh, many of these performances and a lot of great performances this week actually all came from the Tom Jones invite. Uh, there is also a very impressive uh, 200, which had what Fred Curley, uh, Trayvon Bermel. Those are probably the two biggest names that were that were in there. Uh, Fred Curley ended up winning it. Um, so we ha- had a lot of really interesting and impressive co- performances coming out of this Tom Jones invite. And if we go back to what my episode was, what was it? Probably two, three weeks ago, I had mentioned that I think we should have like a track circuit where just like in golf or just like in uh, tennis where there are like four or five major championships, I think this could be, we should do that in track and field where it's like Penn Relays, the Tom Jones Invite, um, Bowerman, uh, not the Bowerman, sorry, the Prefontaine Classic, things like that where the, we have these major events that a lot of, that all of our professional athletes, the biggest names in our sport are going to be competing in because we don't have that in our sport. And I'm going to be getting into that very shortly. So I don't want to go too, too in depth, but this is, a, this was a very exciting meet. Um, we had back to back meets the, of really good sprinting. Was it the Miramar last week? Um, that was also in, in Florida. Uh, so fantastic so far, um, having some pretty good competition. So that was something that was pretty exciting, and some of the, the performances that stuck out uh, for me, obviously. Um, we also had a couple other ones, like Kipchoge uh, ran, what, a 204 in the, in the marathon, which was actually performed at a, uh, an airport, which was interesting enough that he had an airport to do a marathon, and he just dominated. Once again, I think he's going to be, he's probably going to win the uh, Olympic title this year. He only has one, which is interesting enough, but uh, what, what's he going to do from there? Because he's been in this for a while. He's pretty much done everything you can do in marathon running. I mean, where does he go from here? Who knows? I mean, unless he's going to try to break two again. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting to see what, what he decides to do. But those are some performances that really stuck out to me um, so far this year. And then uh, earlier on uh, this week, to kind of switch the topic, um, coming out of uh, staying with the sprinting realm, Christian Coleman, uh, he had his ban of two years reduced down to just 18 months. So what does this mean for Christian Coleman? Well, it means that he will still obviously be missing the Olympics, but 
he will not be missing the world championships in 2022. He'll be able to compete in that. He'll have a short runway of meets being able to uh, compete in going into it. I think he, he has about three weeks until he has to, um, in between when his ban is lifted and when he can compete. Uh, so he'll have to, uh, that short you know, window to go to go at it. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure Christian Coleman, he, he really likes the fact that his ban is reduced and he's not going to be missing, you know, a ton of, of meets. Um, but it's re- it really hurts because this is the biggest name, or was especially one of the biggest names in track and field, especially in sprinting. And he is missing the biggest Olympics in modern sprint history. This is the first time that somebody not named Usain Bolt is going to be the Olympic champion. And Christian Coleman was in prime position to be that guy. He had the best opportunity to be the number one sprinter in the world. And the fact that he missed his drug test or was not told where he was supposed to be or didn't tell his people where he was supposed to be is the reason that he's not going to have that that recognition of being the first guy post-Bolt to win an Olympic title in the 100 or the 200. So what's this going to mean for his legacy? I mean, I don't know. I think it depends on what he does after this because he's the next time he's going to have an Olympic chance is what, 2024? So he's got another three years until he has another shot at this thing. Um, hopefully he, he stays healthy, he develops, and he doesn't have any more of these issues because if he has another, you know, another issue like this, that might be, what, the fourth strike and he's out and he's going to be, you know, gone for that Olympics as well. So I'm hoping he doesn't have any more of these issues. I'm praying that he learns his lesson um, and makes sure that he lets people know where he is at all times. Um, luckily, this wasn't like where he actually missed a test or he tested positive for something. It was just that he, you know, his whereabouts weren't weren't known. And so um, I'm hoping that this doesn't happen again because, yeah, this, this is another guy that was, you know, pretty much guaranteed to make the Olympic team. Uh, so this is, this is another spot that's open uh, for this year. Um, but I'm sure this hurts him a lot where he's like, dang, this really could have been my year, but you know, I messed up and now you got to pay the consequences of it stinks, but that's the reality of the situation. So, I mean, good enough for him. He'll be able to compete at the world's, uh, next year, but you know, he's not going to be able to compete at the Olympics. Uh, he put out a post on his Instagram, which saying, Hey, thanks for, he, he thanked the, um, what I think it was like the anti-doping committee for recognizing and reducing that, reducing his, his ban, but he was still saying, you know, I, I, he still wanted to be able to compete and who wouldn't, you know, to be honest. So, um, that was that with, with Coleman, uh, we'll see if anything changes, uh, in the future, but I mean, his appeal went through, it's done. So there's probably not going to be any new news for Coleman, uh, for the next, uh, year, year or so, um. Next, I uh, want to get into a topic that I've been thinking about for a little while, and that's some, th- some things that I see that are holding professional track and field back. So when, I'm, when people ask me, like, what is your favorite sport? What is your favorite thing to, to watch and, and all that? Like, I, I say track and field, and really in specific, I'm talking about collegiate track and field because I think collegiate track and field is, is just done so much better. Uh, there's the team, there's more team aspects of it. Uh, you, you know, the schedule a little bit better, you know, who's going to be competing where you get the heat sheets. Uh, it's exciting. And they also, the national championship for, for track is 
the best team event in track and field that we have. Like there is no other team event in in all of track and field other than the national championship in college. And so that's why like it's my it's my favorite and that's why I'm you know I'm hoping to be able to go someday someday and, and watch it because it's it's so exciting to it's so exciting to see cuz it's the only team event that we have in our sport. Um but not only that there are some other issues that I think especially on the pro circuit. And so with this I'm going to list the four major issues that I see which is holding professional track and field back. So when I say professional track and field, like I mentioned, I'm not mentioning anything about college. This does not pertain to high school, middle school, none of that. It's all for post-collegiate track and field. Now, some of these issues and things that I say are holding professional track and field back can also be attributed to the collegiate level, but mainly I am just talking about uh, professionals. And you'll, you'll kind of see, and I'll probably mention it a few times, then I'm like, oh yeah, and this is an issue with college track too, but... Mainly what I'm talking about, this is all about the professional level. Okay, so let's get into it. And these four are in no particular order. They're just the four things that I see that are issues. Uh, number one, uh, the big names don't compete against each other enough. So this weekend was a great weekend of the opposite of that, where we had a lot of the biggest names competing against each other. We had, what, Gatlin. Um, we had Holloway drop some great times. Um, especially with that Adidas 4x4, which is exciting, which I'll get into uh, in a moment. Um, and we had, what, ha we had Andre de Grasse, we had Trayvon Brumel, Fred Curley, all, all that. We had huge names um, competing in, in it, and it, it was an exciting meet to watch. And it's something that we don't get very often. Like many times you have athletes competing anywhere. And so you do not get to see, like, the best names going up against each other except when they're at the big time championships like that's the only times that you really see these major names competing competing against each other um not because they're running from each other and they don't want to you know they don't want to see you know these other competitions because oh no I might lose like that's not the case it's just that it's so difficult for schedules to be combined and and there is no set you know, there's no set thing, so we don't get to see these big names competing against each other very often. Um, and that, I mean, that takes me into my second one, uh, which is that there is no set schedule. Like, there is no professional circuit where you know exactly where these athletes are going to be. Many of these athletes don't even announce where they're competing. Like, you will have no idea where a like ABC athlete will be uh, throughout the year. They just you're like, you find out two days in, in advance, like, oh, cool, Fred Curley's competing here. Oh, cool. Uh, you know, uh, not anything moves. She's still in college. But, oh, cool, like, um, you know, Sydney McLaughlin's competing here. Like, they don't tell you where they're going to be a year in advance, like literally every other sport. And there's, there's no major championships other than the Olympics and world championships and national championships where you know they're going to be. So you don't know, okay, how can I follow my favorite athletes? I don't know where they're going to be competing each week. So how it just makes it so difficult to watch because you don't know where they're competing. And so that's something that's just super, that's super difficult. Um, and you know, that takes me into my third one, which is that it's really difficult to access meets. I mean, many of these meets that are being, you know, streamed or, or either A, 
uh, not being streamed, and so you can't actually see them. Uh, B, they might be happening at obscure times, or depending on where you are in the world, might be difficult to watch. Uh, like if there is a meet that's being competed uh, over in Europe, if you live in the west coast of the United States, somewhere in California, there's no shot that you're going to be able to watch that meet because that meet's going to be going on at like 1 a.m. for you. And that just makes it like, you know, super difficult. I mean, that's just time zones. Every, every sport that's international is going to have that issue, um, whether it's tennis or, or track and field, whatever it might be. But it just makes it more difficult to watch your fans or to watch your, your favorite athletes compete. Uh, also, like many of these meets are not being competed on major channels. Like we had the American Track League, which is a great example of what happens when you do throw uh, track and field on major channels. It was on ESPN. That went really well. They got a lot of viewership. If you want to hear more about that, listen to our previous interview with Paul Doyle. He actually talks about that and, and the viewership that they have. But uh, for the most part, they're locked on on streams that are hidden behind a paywall, and you're not able to watch them if you're the average fan. And um, you know, some, some fans like you do pay for it, uh, and you can, and you can pay for these streams and they're, they're pretty good, but you're not getting, you're not going to be able to see all of your favorite athletes all the time. Cause it's only the, the cameras that they're choosing you to see whether it's just the track or, or certain events. So it, it just makes it more difficult. Like it's like that, that doesn't happen in other sports. You, if you want to watch your, your favorite, uh, you know, your, your favorite basketball player, golfer, UFC, whatever it is, you can see them compete. You don't have to go through all these hoops and, and whatever to see it, which is frustrating. Uh, fourth one, and this is, uh, this kind of goes into the, the scheduling uh, for me. Uh, and it's that only two meets really matter to the, to many of these athletes. Uh, and that's either the Olympics or the world championships, depending on what year it is that's it's something that's so annoying and just and just dumb to me like because you hear and it's just the way our sport is built right now that oh yeah it's an olympic year so the only thing that matters is the olympics i think clayton murphy even even wrote a tweet saying the only thing that matters this year is how you do at the trials that's it and it's like that's stupid (laughs) it's like so you're telling it's like the there's only one thing in our sport that matters and it just happens for one time every 4 years well then maybe there should there should be you know something more that's important in our sport if the you're telling me that there's only one thing that matters and it's it's the olympic championships or or the world championships if it's if it's a world's year like then there's an issue like imagine if they only had the super bowl once every 4 years that like that would just be dumb it would be idiot like it gives it it makes every other meet throughout the entire year just worth nothing it's like okay let me qualify for the trials let me qual- let me hit the olympic standard and then once i've done that then you know i'm going to make sure that i'm all tuned up for the olympics and i'm not going to worry about anything else like i'm not going to try to be putting on this you know these these great performances during during the the other meets i'm just going to kind of oh go in and and do it like that's something that that's super annoying because if you like we hear pretty often in in our sport like oh yeah this i i'm you know i just wanted to take this race easy i didn't want to get you know put too much effort into it or whatever like you don't hear that in literally any other sport well, what do you think would happen if like we're it's like in the middle of a you know a regular season game you hear tom brady he's just like yeah, you know what, like, you know, I'm, I'm not making all my reads, I'm just kind of, you know, taking it as it is, and, and you know, we're just, we're just going through the motions right now, getting ready for the, getting ready for the playoffs, like, 
That doesn't happen. Like you go, you perform to the top of your ability every single time. But in track and field, since the only thing that matters is the Olympics or the world championships, there, you know, you can get away with, oh yeah, no, this, this race, I'm just, you know, kind of cruising, want to, you know, go through the motions and, and test things out. You should be testing things out in practice. You shouldn't be testing things out in, in competitions against world-class athletes. And that's just something, something that frustrates me as a fan where it's like, if you want to be, you know, and many of these athletes, all of these athletes want to be paid more and, and, you know, grow their brand and, and be, be bigger and better. Like, because everyone would, you're a professional. That's what you want to do. Like make, make it so that these sports and these events are, are worth watching. Like if like be running as fast as you can every single time, trying to break records every single time. Something that's exciting. Well, we have Grant Holloway, uh, you know, now the world lead ran a 13.07 in the 110 hurdles undefeated in his entire career. He, he puts on a show. He's a great personality and someone that is super exciting to watch. He proposed something that was pretty cool and an idea that I would love to see, which was, uh, at, this was at the Tom Jones invite. There was a, they had a four by four. And so it was the Adidas four by four. It was like him, Arion, the guy that is the uh, high schooler that turned professional, uh, and two other guys. I can't remember their names right now. Uh, oh, no, uh, Elijah Hall, um, the guy from Houston, I believe, and then someone else. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. But uh, so those four, they ran they ran a four by four. And then he was like, yo, like, let's get a, a Nike versus Adidas four by four. I'm like, yeah, like, let's do it. That's something that would be awesome and really cool for the fans to watch. Like, let's get a Nikes versus Adidas, uh, maybe even versus Puma, 4x4 and 4x1 for the men and the women. That would be a really awesome showcase to do. Uh, You could have, hey, we're going to have the men and women's, you know, 110s and 100s, you know, whatever. And then we're going to also have the long jump, whatever, four by four, four by one. You could have a little circuit of like the battle of the brands, like Nike versus Adidas versus Puma, whatever it might be. And I think that that's something that would be really exciting because those are all the biggest names in the sport and they're taking their biggest athletes for their brands, competing against each other and seeing who's the best. I mean, I, that would be something that I'd be excited to watch. Like I, I definitely pay for, for that to see the best athletes of that are representing each brand going, going against each other. Um, because we don't get it very often. That goes back to my first point here, which was big names don't compete against each other enough. Like I want, we want to see better competitions with better athletes more often. That's what we got to see. But for some reason, I feel like it's never going to happen because that's just the way our sport is, is set up and it's super annoying. So to go back on it, uh, the four things that I think are holding professional track and field back the big names do not compete against each other often enough. There is no set schedule. It is extremely difficult to access meets. And then the fourth one, uh, only uh, two meets actually matter to these athletes, and that is the Olympics and the World Championships. So those are some things that I think are holding our sport back. Hopefully they can change, but we'll see. I mean, what things did I miss? Uh, first, what... Um, what would you say is holding professional track and field back? What are your thoughts on Christian Coleman's ban uh, being reduced? And, and what were some uh, performances that, are, that were exciting for you this past week? Love to hear. But um, thank you for listening to another episode of Track World News. Uh, before we leave, make sure that you subscribe, like, follow the show. Uh, it really helps us know that you're enjoying everything uh, and you're liking the content. Uh, my name is Colin Waitsman. Uh, have a good one and peace. 